Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we tackle important questions about journalism ethics and give you a behind-the-scenes look at our industry and our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. Scripps Health announced last month that physicians at Scripps Mercy Hospital named the new chief of staff. The announcement of Dr. James Grisolia's selection praises the neurologist's accomplishments and notes that he is a nearly 40-year veteran of Mercy's medical staff. But the announcement is not without controversy. Joining us now to explain are Union Tribune healthcare reporter Paul Sisson, Communities Editor Tarsi Connors, Managing Editor Laura Sicalo, and we begin with publisher and editor Jeff Flight. Jeff? Yeah, thank you, Luis. And uh, Paul, thank you for your reporting on this story, which I thought was uh, was was really well done, very responsible and, and really significant. Um, but it gets into this whole area of journalism about accountability for the sins of the past. And this has become more of a, a, a pressing issue, I think, in the digital era, where the record of the past uh, seems to follow all of us uh, um, in perpetuity. And so now as journalists, we've been thrust into this uh, position of trying to figure out uh where to draw those lines i guess so why don't you like why don't we start with this story of uh the chief of staff and um uh and just give me the basics on on how this all played out how did we get this story oh yeah absolutely uh thank you so much for uh, chatting with me about this uh so this started with a press release from scripps health uh one of the largest health providers in san diego and uh they they just uh, announced to the community uh this physician has uh, been uh appointed to a very uh powerful position uh we we ran uh just a short blurb about it uh in our uh our hub section, uh, kind of a movers and shakers column that just lets people in business know kind of about promotions and things like that. And then we heard back from a local act activist very quickly who said, you know, hey, how could you guys write about this uh, physician without uh, bringing up the fact that he uh, had his uh, he was put on pro probation by the uh, state medical board in 2007 for significant over prescribing to six different patients, one of whom was his wife and who, uh, you know, died in an autopsy found she had many uh, painkillers uh, over uh, normal, normally prescribed levels uh, in her bloodstream. And, and you know, the conclusion was she died from from these uh, drugs, many of which uh, her husband prescribed to her, uh, you know, and so uh, so we had a conversation about uh you know whether we ought to follow up and and note that uh and we you know we we concluded that this was a you know quite powerful position and one that uh you know is in charge of a lot of uh quality and doctor discipline at one of our largest uh medical centers so uh so we decided to go ahead and uh, write something up yeah so tarsi uh uh tell me a little bit about as an editor uh your reporter in this case paul comes to you and says Hey, hey, this seems like a story. This physician uh, was sanctioned years ago. It seems like a pretty serious matter, including the death of his wife. But but how do you think that through? What about the argument on the other side? Uh, well, he served his, his uh, probationary period. There's been no further evidence of problems. Uh, how, how did that conversation go? Yeah, so um, 
I had gotten the the press release, um, and Paul and I had talked about it, um, and he um, declined um, to write anything initially on it because the other chiefs of staffs at other hospitals are um, also appointed. But then we got this email um, from this advocate who pointed out um, Dr. Graziola's um, past um, transgressions and his probation. And I went back and I looked at the press release, um, which noted that um, he was going to be taking over as head of the 1100 member physician team. And that's that's a, a very powerful position. Um, and during his two year term, the press release says he will have a key role in driving continuous improvement in the delivery of healthcare services to the more than 200,000 patients who visit the hospital's two campuses. That for me spoke volumes because we have a man who's been given that great responsibility for the physicians and all of those patients that those physicians treat. So the fact that he was on probation for seven years for overprescribing to seven people for me became elevated. And Paul and I both agreed that because of the elevated position that he was now taking on, that it was important to show people what his past behavior was. Yeah, and I imagine that conversation is made uh, uh, easier by the severity of the situation, right? Like multiple cases of overprescription, the death of the wife, the the inquiries from uh, um, prosecutors at the time, was this a homicide? All of that makes it pretty serious, right? It, it it does. And then in, in doing additional reporting, the fact that he tried to get off probation, you know, after three or four years and was denied that by the medical board was, again, yet another affirmation that what he did was viewed as very, very serious by the medical board. This was this wasn't a slight. Right, right. Now, what? Uh, uh, so. A hypothetical. Where, 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 where do you draw that line? I can imagine there would be uh, transgressions by the doctor that would come to our attention that you would say, "Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it doesn't seem that serious." Uh, um, what are the like criteria that you use in evaluating newsworthiness on something like that? Most certainly the fact that there was a death um, was incredibly significant, the the death of his wife, the fact that six people, six other people were being what was called, deemed over prescribing of very, very powerful opiates. Um, And and, and that is, is of course, in hindsight now of our understanding of, of the opiate crisis, which didn't exist at the time that this particular um, incident um, took place. So that that played a really big factor. And it wasn't, as um, the, the doctor said later, just a um, um, filing um, oh, record keeping. I'm sorry, you know, it wasn't this wasn't a record keeping mistake, right? If it had been a record keeping mistake, 
that's one thing. But th this was overprescribing drugs and especially to a family member. So there there were just so many variables that pointed to it being um, a, a, a deeply serious offense. Yeah, I, I was struck by his response. It's really taught me to take record keeping more seriously. So a little bit, it seemed, uh, of a framing of this as a record keeping issue. Um, but back to the to the to the the heart of the matter. So I guess you know, to me, some factors that we would consider one would be how remote in time is this? Things that are closer in time are probably more important to us. Well, what is the severity of the issue? Like uh, the, the how big is the professional trespass? How serious is the crime, if it's a crime? Um, and how direct is the bearing on the work itself, right? The reason he's in the news. And I think here uh, we've sort of crossed all those uh, all those uh, thresholds. I can think of other stories that we've had. There was one with a political candidate years ago in the middle of a mayoral race, and it turned out, oh, the candidate's boyfriend had been convicted of a misdemeanor crime uh, as, a, as, a, as a youth like 30 years ago, which had since been uh, expunged as a, uh, as a um, conditional discharge. And in that case, using those same factors, it was like, but the candidate didn't do anything. It happened before the candidate even knew this person. It's remote in time and the crime was very minor. So I don't I, I think we wrote something very small. Whereas, you know, the people engaged in the political campaign advocates for the opponent were, you know, crying out, why aren't you covering this? And uh, so it's important to have these criteria. Um, Paul, I also wanted to to touch on the family, right? So the family of the doctor's wife also uh, um, uh, spoke to you about this story. What what was their opinion of how germane this was? Uh, yeah, they uh, you know they they didn't they they gathered uh, uh, as a as a family and discussed this and and just gave me kind of a joint statement that they all jointly put together. Uh, you know, and 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 they talked about you know the the fact that the loss of this person has left a gaping hole in all of their lives, and and they and they really feel like. Like this was negligent prescribing that that really took someone's life and and uh, and really you know they called on him to step down from this uh, position so they they certainly uh, weren't weren't exactly uh, forgiving or 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 willing to let this go uh, they they uh, they had a quite uh, forceful reaction I'd say yeah yeah and it, it, in your interactions with the doctor or his advocates did people try to make the case to you hey don't write about this it's a long time ago it's going to cause trouble no uh i i Interesting. i not really uh, you know i talked uh, to the doctor you know mostly over i think exclusively over email i think he only wanted to speak in writing and um i don't think he ever tried me to per try to persuade me uh not to write about it uh you know we did write a pretty extensive story about the situation back in 2007 as well that is still up on our website to this day <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a very well done story. So, so Laura Sacalo is the managing editor. This bigger issue of the uh, the right to forget, right? The past transgressions that remain part of the present record in perpetuity. 
this is an issue in journalism, right? And in uh, here at the Union Tribune, we're we're working on uh, ways to address some of that. What are, what are your thoughts about the how to balance all of these interests? Well, it is it is a very big issue, both in you know journalism at at large, and as you mentioned, in our own organization. And I don't think a week goes by that we don't get requests uh, from individuals or people on other individuals' behalf to take stories down, to unpublish as as they request or de-index stories. And as you said, in the digital age, these stories live forever. And those requests can be for any number of reasons. They could be privacy concerns. It could be related, as in, in this case, to a past controversy. Um, people concerned about the threats to their reputation. Sometimes people will say they're having difficulty getting a job or uh, getting a loan or whatever because of the previous story that was written about them. And in this particular case, as we've mentioned, the the past controversy, what what this doctor experienced with the probation did seem to us to be directly related to his current position and his current work. It wasn't some minor infraction decades ago that had nothing to do with his uh, role as a physician. Some of the places where we have had pretty lengthy discussions have to do with things that happened long ago that are very minor in the in the big scheme of things and may be affecting somebody's current situation in ways that couldn't have been anticipated, maybe. And one of the things that we've talked about in this, this group that we're putting together at the UT has been looking at is... Um, some of this has been brought about because of the way that our paper and its predecessors handled certain kinds of reporting. You know, there were some historical biases about uh, crime reporting, for example. Mm-hmm. And so those to me are those situations are a little bit different if if we reported an item about some misdemeanor because that was the standard in, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. And somebody requests that that be taken down, that that we would look at a little bit differently than something that has bearing on someone's position or status currently. And so yeah. there are a lot of a lot of questions for us to wrestle with around those requests. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a an important factor like um, we'll get requests on, hey, here, I, I was named in your report because I was arrested for a DUI, let's say, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, can you take that down? And uh, for for decades, our response was, no, we're not. We're in the business of publishing news, not of unpublishing news. And were you arrested for DUI? Yeah, it was true. But then there's the further complication of like, well, of all the 
hundreds and hundreds of people arrested for DUI in San Diego that year. Why did this poor soul end up being named? And is there a sense of fairness or was it really sort of arbitrary that they were named? And then the case for, uh, I think the journalistic case and the ethical case for keeping those things up begins a little bit to wear at the edges, you know, when you start looking at the the arbitrariness of some of that. Whereas I think in this case, there is not that sense of arbitrariness, right? There's not another doctor with that kind of sanction against him or her uh, who hasn't come into the public light. Um, uh, so a lot to think about there. Uh, well, ex- thank you for uh, for uh, your excellent reporting, Paul. I-, I look forward to seeing if there's any more fallout from uh, from what's happened here. And uh, thank you, Tarsi, for your good stewardship of 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 our report. Uh, back to you, Luis. Thank you very much, Jeff, and thank you to Paul, Tarsi, and Laura. You can read more of Paul Sisson's story on our website, SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day, everybody.